News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. We are going to start off this week by talking about something we're thankful for. Now, Christmas hasn't started yet, for those of you who are more secular. Advent has not started yet, for those of you who celebrate uh, the beginning of the church calendar leading up to Christmas as a full four-week event and time of celebration and readying your hearts to celebrate the coming of your Savior. Not only the coming of your Savior as a little baby in a manger, but the coming of your Savior who will come again, which is something we anticipate. But that being said, we're not there yet. We're not talking about that because it's Thanksgiving week. And my wife was just complaining last week about how so many people nowadays are just moving on to Christmas before it's even here. And what it has done is this detracted from this awesome season of Thanksgiving that we have. Last night, uh, we had some people from our church over that we were hosting for dinner and everyone talked about things that God had given them this year that they did not deserve. And there were some great testimonies that came out of that gathering and time together. And so we are going to start this week by talking about what we're thankful for in Texas politics. And what we're thankful for is that we are coming into a legislative session with some clear conservative lawmakers who seem very dedicated and focused on making sure that there is a presence in the legislature who's actively who are actively fighting for the advancement of conservative policies. And this is huge. And this is incredibly necessary when, what we'll talk about in, a, in just a little bit, we have huge forces um, working with Speaker Dade Phelan and all of his lieutenants who are basically coming together to make it clear that they are pushing back against what is very set well set up to be a conservative agenda and a conservative session for uh, 2023. And so they are pulling, you know, all of this is coordinated. Let me just stop for a second. It When we go to the second part of the legislative um, session kind of podcast that we're going to talk about here in just a second, you're going to hear me discuss some things that are very clearly coordinated. And you have three powerful chairmen with Speaker Dade Phelan, who all came out on the same day and took various different positions that all were designed to push back and try to tamp down the push for education freedom, which Texas, of course, has been horrible on. Now, before we get there, we have to start um, by saying that one of the things we're thankful for is that people like Tony Tinderholt are running for Speaker of the House. I mean, you have a man who has stepped up and said, I am going to make sure that conservatives actually have a choice this upcoming session. He came out and has made it clear that uh, he is not going to punish people who vote to ban Democrat chairs, which is the current speaker. That is what he is doing. He has said that Republican priorities deserve a vote on the House floor. Last week, Dade Phelan came out and attacked Kerry Isaac, who um, 
spoke at the Texas Public Policy Foundation and said that she wants all $27 billion of our current surplus to go towards property tax relief. Okay, And this is something that Representative Isaac has said before. It is something that Brian Slayton has said. It is something that a number of other conservative legislators have said. They've all come out and said, hey, we need to give all of this money back. And then we talked to you about how Abbott came out and said, well, all of it's the taxpayer money. It's all their money. And we need to give at least half of it back to them. Okay, And that was actually a huge upgrade from what the current Texas House leadership with Morgan Meyer was talking about. So he comes out and says, we're going to at least give half of it back to him. And I'm thankful that people like Carrie Isaac and other incoming conservatives are saying, hey, we need to be more aggressive. And what Tony Tinderholt has said is that we actually need to vote on all of these legislative priorities. There's eight of them. They should all get voted on. They should all get robustly debated. You should be thankful for that. And you should be thankful that Representative Tinderhold has come out and said that not only will he go to the caucus and allow the Republican caucus to choose the right speaker, but he's also going to take this election to the floor of the Texas House. And this is a huge thing for the grassroots. Dade Phelan has never respected the Republican platform, uh, not only the policies, but even the process by which they select a speaker, right? He came out and bypassed that process, cut a deal with Democrats, and got the votes he needed to become speaker and came out and said, this race is over because I cut a deal with Democrats and we've got over 76 votes. He didn't have 76 votes until he cut the deal with Democrats. So he violated the platform and came. And what you're now going to see is you are about to see some Republican lawmakers start to come out and use the caucus to try to cover for their vote for speaker, right? They're going to say, well, I can't vote for Tony on the floor because the caucus says I can't. The bylaws say I can't, not the caucus, I'm sorry, but the bylaws the platform of the Republican Party of Texas say I can't. It's interesting because when Dade Phelan came out and announced that he was bypassing the caucus process and he had cut a deal with Democrats and had over 76 votes, none of these Republicans complained. Nobody got up and said, oh, I was going to support Dade, but now that he's just violated. Actually, that's not true. Um I do remember Brian Slayton repeatedly telling people this guy's hadn't even listened to the caucus. He's not even respecting the platform. So Brian Slayton, who we talk about on this show a little bit, uh, can often be you know lifted up as somebody who's incredibly consistent on this stuff. So we're thankful. We're thankful that Tony has laid out this agenda, that he said he's going to go to the caucus, that he said he's going to go to the floor. This is all incredible for grassroots conservatives to setting up the session as an aggressive conservative effort to advance conservative policy in a chamber that is set up right now to be the most antagonistic to Republican policies. We know that the Senate is going to move a whole lot more Republican policy through. And that the House is likely to thwart it. So there is this rumor out there that uh, Plank 233 of the Republican Party platform is all of a sudden something that we should really take a serious look at and really respect more than we ever have. Because 
it is now something that can be wielded against a conservative candidate for speaker. So next week, the caucus will meet or week after. I think two weeks from now, the caucus is going to meet. They're going to vote. And then we're going to go to the floor. Because Dade Phelan has already bypassed that process, he now goes into his reelection with all of the support of Democrats. Democrats are wholly behind him, right? And nobody in the Republican caucus is saying, well, what do you need to win a majority of the caucus? They're saying, what do you need to become speaker? And they know that Dade Phelan has the Democrats. And so he only needs a couple dozen Republicans. So Tony Tinderholder said, no, sorry, guys. We're going to actually have to vote on this stuff, pure and simple. Everyone's going to have to take a position. Do you want to support Speaker Phelan? And who is Speaker Phelan and who are his lieutenants? And that's what we're going to unpack the rest of this episode. So who is Speaker Phelan? I mentioned this earlier, but he, I mean, the last public statement he made was attacking Republicans for pushing Republican policies. So why don't you just take a second to uh, listen what he had to say. And this is immediately following Carrie Isaac coming out and saying hey, we should give $27 million of property tax relief to Texans. Let's give it back to them. They're the ones who did it. Let's just go out and make it happen. Okay. Let's hear what Dade Phelan said in response to that. While many in Texas are calling for more property tax relief, Phelan believes the windfall represents a rare opportunity to significantly upgrade our state's aging and overworked infrastructure. And so I just want to remind everyone that, you know, this money come, it's in our coffers because of inflation, because of pain. And I've got elected officials who have to take the oath of office saying we need to spend all the revenue on property tax relief. Let me just remind you, none of this money came from property taxes. It all came from sales tax. So Dade Phelan talks, I love how he says in this clip, there are members that haven't even sworn in yet. This is the disdain he has for these incoming freshmen. Like, you think you're a state rep who has opinions? You think you're allowed to have an opinion? You haven't taken the oath of office yet. You've just been duly elected. And you know what really ticks him off about Carrie Isaac? She was elected even though he spent almost $200,000 against her. So he spent $200,000 trying to keep this woman quiet to take away her ability to ever have an opinion on policy. Then she got elected. And then she said, we should give all this money back to the taxpayers. And he turns around and says, shut up. Stop having this opinion. And then he has a weird logic. He says, all this money came from sales tax, not property taxes. So it shouldn't be given back to property taxpayers. That is literally what the Republican Party platform supports. In order to get away from property taxes, our reliance on property taxes, we have to make sure that sales taxes is covering the bill. So the way this happens is that you take the $27 billion and you actually write a check, not directly back to property taxpayers. You write it to public schools. You fund public education more from the state. And then what happens is when you write a $25 billion check to the public schools, it you can do it in such a way through the property tax relief fund that then decreases everybody's property taxes. And what you're actually doing is you're saying, I'm funding that with this money that I have so we don't need as much local property tax collections. That's what you're doing. 
And Dade Feeling uses this strange logic like, well, this is sales tax money and you can't use sales tax money to provide property tax relief, even though every single penny of property tax relief that has been delivered to Texans for the last 10 years has been through sales tax revenue. So very strange, but really that's his excuse to say, well, I'm going to spend more of that money on government. I've got a bunch of programs I want to grow. Similar to like, people are going to be saying, hey, I don't want to vote for Tony. I don't want to vote against Tony Tinderholt, but like, I can't, I can't vote for him because of this rule and this bylaw or whatever, right? Everyone's going to come up with excuses to say why they can't vote to do the right thing, why they can't deliver property tax relief. Uh, the Texan covered this spat between Speaker Phelan and Carrie Isaac, which you can go there to... Uh, to read some of the things that they had to said, they had to say during this, but but they basically overview the fact that you know a lot of this stuff is building up. We know we're going to have all this extra money. Carrie Isaac said at TPPF, she told a gathering conservative Texas Public Policy Foundation that she wants to see the entire surplus put towards buying down property taxes in the state. This drew a response from Speaker Dade Phelan, who said the trans at the Transportation Advocacy Group, I know there are a lot of politicians who are going around saying we need to spend half this revenue. And I've got elected officials who haven't even taken the oath of office saying we need to spend all the revenue on property tax relief. Ooh. You know what's interesting? He's calling Greg Abbott the politician. So evidently, Dade Phelan's not a politician, okay? This guy who's teaming up with Democrats and ruling the House is moving more liberal than ever before. He's not a politician. You know who the politician is? Greg Abbott, who went around and said, we need to give half of this money. Well, there's these politicians saying we need to give half of it away, and then they're just pandering. So he used the word politician in this circumstance to say, Abbott's just pandering, right? And you have to understand that these people like Dade Phelan see themselves above everyone else. They are truly elite. So whenever Abbott even says something that's better, he's moving in the direction of us. It's because he's a little bit more populist at that moment. And that angers people like Dade Phelan. Dade does not want to support what the people support. Okay? Pure and simple. He doesn't want it. He wants to support what their little elected clique want. So when, De when Greg Abbott says, I'm going to give half of the money back, he's like, this politician, just a politician trying to please the people. If you were a real public servant, you'd know we need to spend more of this money. And Kerry Isaac, he's just some person who hadn't even been sworn into office. They're basically a normal citizen. This is how he sees people asking for property tax relief. So that happens. And then fast forward to just a couple days ago and... Dustin Burroughs, Brooks Landgraf, and Ken King all on the same day come out and have strong opinions to, uh, to share on the school pu push for school choice in the Texas legislature. So let's first listen to what Dustin Burroughs says. As it relates to education, there's a lot of discussion that one of the priority items for the Republican leadership next session is going to be school choice. You cannot go anywhere in Austin or around the Capitol without hearing that choice is going to be however one defines choice, is going to be part of the conversation next session. As you know, traditionally, rural communities have been reluctant to go there and have actually aligned with urban Democrats in maybe thinking that's not something we want to go forward with. Choice has not been able to find traction in previous legislative sessions. What do you think about it this time? Let me kind of try to unpackage 
a little bit of that. You know, I was in Dickens this morning at 6.30 talking to 25, 30 men, uh, some superintendents, people of that nature. And you bring up the topic of choice. I think they know that it probably doesn't, you know, gut their schools and it doesn't help them. They want to talk about other issues that actually are important to them. They want to talk about school safety. They want to talk about the STAR exam. They want to talk about more funding that actually goes into rural Texas. Those are their priorities. And when you bring up choice to them, they're saying, why are we talking about that? That's not really going to help or affect our communities and our schools. Right. And so you definitely feel that. Do I think choice is going to be a conversation this session? Sure. People have talked about it. Bring the debate. You know, people can convince everybody that's the best thing in the world. So be it if they think it's the worst thing in the world, let them have the you conversation. You yourself don't sound very enthusiastic about it, I gotta say. Well, no, I just don't know. I don't anticipate it having the uh, best trajectory, um, but happy to have the conversation, to be real candid with you. It's been, I think, been legislature now for four sessions where it's always been a little bit talked about, but we've never had a full, robust debate. I think it's actually time we have the full, robust debate, and the people who are proponents, let them lay their cards on the table. The people who think it's the worst in the world, let them talk about it, and let's actually get it all out there. Have you prejudged the issue to the point that if I ask you whether you would support a voucher program in this state, you'll tell me? I would be open to having the conversation is not something that I'm going to probably lead on. But you're also not saying for sure that you would vote against it. That's correct. Even if your constituents, I mean, it sounds to me like, you know, if you represent your constituents, they don't seem to be particularly activated about this. Well, you take a look. I think there's some of them that basically say, what does the whole package look like? And it can't be just about something that doesn't necessarily right. affect or help. So them. wait and see. I think there are two key things to take away from Representative Bro's statements. First of all, you have to understand this. He never mentions the fact that over 80%, I think it's like 85%, 86% of the people in his House district said they wanted school choice in the Republican primary on the ballot initiative. So they had a chance to say, no, I don't want that. And they said, yes, I want school choice, period. They didn't say I want school choice in the urban areas because people in that area don't care. They want it there. I want school choice. Let's get it here. I like how he talks about this meeting he had, superintendents and such, all people who are government employees, all saying this doesn't really affect me. And you want to know why? Because what affects them is more government money, less government accountability. That's what affects them. So that's what they talk about. And these are people that you've paid the salary of to go meet with Dustin Burroughs and say, well, we don't really care about school choice. Of course you don't. You're in the public school system. It provides your entire livelihood. You got a good gig. You got a great salary. Of course, you don't want people to have the ability to leave. You like the monopoly that exists. Never once does he say, in fact, he literally gives this idea like, well, no one really cares about it. Okay, well, then why do they all vote for it back in March? So again, I'm talking, so now do you see the connection between like when Dade Phelan says this representative, Carrie Isaac, who hadn't even been sworn in yet, has an opinion. And the fact that Dustin Burroughs never once mentions the opinion of every single voter who walked into the ballot box in March and said, yes, I would like to see this. This did not affect him in any way. The other thing I like is that he goes, you know, uh, we've kind of tinkered around this issue, but I think it's time to have a debate on this. And this is actually one good thing that y'all can take away from what he says. This is uh, insider speak for like, we know we can't not have a vote on this issue. Okay. That's what it means. Because in the Texas House, they've just killed the bill. And he's basically saying, we know that we're going to have to bring a bill forward and debate it. Now, what is he not saying that about? 
the rest of the Republican priorities. <laughs> so he's not saying, you know, all eight of these issues that are GOP priorities in Texas, like we're going to we should have a robust debate about those and we'll see what happens. No. So what is what does that mean for a lot of the Republican priorities that are there? They're not going to get a robust debate. Currently, as the status quo sits, there's not a plan to make sure that there is a robust debate about these eight issues. Maybe one or two that they think they can't get away with not debating. Maybe not passing, but at least they have to debate it. This is, again, why we you should be thankful that people like Tony Tinderholt, Brian Slayton, other conservative reps out there are stepping up and putting good ideas forward. So now let's listen to what Brooks Landgraf has to say. Graf, would you be for vouchers if that comes up as part of a conversation around school choice this session? Well, I guess I'm going to end up saying wait and see, too, but let me tell you how I get there. Uh, and that is that I, the conversations that I've had with, uh, with uh, my constituents in my district, which is very similar to what Chairman Burroughs has had, uh, and that is, is uh, and really uh, most of that conversation is, uh, you know, surrounds the fact that there aren't any options in most of the communities and the school districts that I serve where uh, if there is uh, school choice in the form of a voucher, I mean, I was in, I had a town hall meeting in Barstow, Texas, uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday evening, uh, and they already have to go across the, the Pecos River into Reeves County just to go to a public school. Uh, I, w I was in Mentone for a town hall meeting, which is the seat of uh, Loving County, which uh, right, uh, which uh, Eddie has currently, and I'll have come January. They have to go uh, seventy miles one way to Wink High School every day, uh, and that's because that's the the only options that, that are available. And so that, right. that's really where, where the conversation is. And just to piggyback on HB3, I do think that it's absolutely imperative that we continue to make investments at the state level for, to, to fund public schools. Right. And, and the reason why the, the stakes are high, uh, I mean, we, we know that they're high, but they're much higher than I ever imagined in Texas. Uh, our friend Ray Perryman, uh, uh, I was discussing this with him at lunch today, and I, I wasn't even aware of this statistic, but across the country so the united states and the census data revealed this so the country is getting generally older uh, older than it certainly has been in the past texas uh, is defying that trend in the 2010 census uh, or comparing the 2010 census to the 2020 there are about a million fewer americans under the age of 18 in 2020 than there were in 2010 which is evidence that the country is getting older. In Texas, we have 400,000 more yeah, we're an Texans on that, right. under the age of 18 right. uh, in 2020 compared to 2010. That means that we have a very young population that absolutely right. has to get the best education possible. And in most communities, and since we're talking about rural Texas, in rural Texas, that option is the public school. L let me bust your chops a little bit. If you're telling me that the people in your district would not benefit from vouchers, why would you vote for it? Why, why is it wait and see? If there are no options in your district, if people are clamoring for it, why would you vote for it? No, that, that, that's a fair question. The reason why is I think you have to look at the at the proposal in its totality. You know, one thing that I have uh, some specific concerns about are in these rural schools where there isn't enough, uh, uh, there aren't enough resources, say, to provide um, an adequate special uh, or an education for a, a student with special needs. Special needs. Do they? Do we need to have some sort of uh, choice option uh, for families that find themselves in that situation? Okay, so let's break this down for a second. According to Brooks Landgraf, you know, these people just don't care because they don't have any other options. Well, let's take a look. So he talks about this place called Barstow, Texas. Okay, Barstow, Texas is in Ward County. 
they got to drive all the way over there just to take their kids to public school. And you don't understand these people. They're just, they don't really care. They just need more public schools. Okay, great. Let's go look at Ward, Texas. Now, here's the cool thing. 25% of voters turned out in the Republican primary. One in four registered voters in Ward County, Mr. Landgraf, turned out in the Republican primary. And they got to vote on Proposition 9. Texas parents and guardians should have the right to select schools, whether public or private. <gasps> Mr. Landgraf, do you think the people of Ward County can't read the word private? Do they not know what that means? Maybe they don't get it. But they read Texas and parent guardians should have the right to select schools, whether public or private, for their children, and the funding should follow the student. Okay, Mr. Landgraf, Barstow, Texas, Ward County, one in four voters showed up. What do you think they voted? I don't know. Maybe 86.8% of them voted for that policy. They voted for it. 14. 15% voted against it. 226 people voted against it. 1,497 people voted for it. But according to Mr. Landgraf, those people out in Barstow, Texas, they just don't, they don't, we don't know where we stand on this issue. No, they know where they stand on this issue, Mr. Landgraf, and it's not with you. And it's not with the public school monopoly. They want choice. And they don't even care if the word is private. By the way, you talk about the fact that there's just no other options out here. You want to know why there aren't any other options? Because you're stuffing all the money into one monopolistic system, Mr. Landgraf. And if you gave parents the right to choose and to leave and to go decide what's best for their kids, a lot of them would stay in their current public school, but some of them would go find a better school for their particular child's need. And then you know what you'd have in Ward County, Texas, in Barstow, Texas, Representative Landgraf? other options so don't like you have to understand this is how they talk and they act like they care about the people but they could care less about the people in their district 25 percent of people voted in the republican primary and 86 percent of those people more than eight, almost 87 said this is what i want and according to brooks landgraf's like well these people they just don't they don't care because it's all public schools out there. Okay, so this is coordinated. Dade Feeling comes out, hammers Carrie Isaac, shut up woman. Gets mad at Greg Abbott, you politician trying to give half of this money away. Dustin Burroughs comes out, says, well, I've never heard, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, maybe we'll debate this one, but not the other ones. And then Brooks Landgraf goes, well, here's the deal. Like, my people, they don't even care about this. We've already now taken that one to task. And then comes Mr. Ken King. Let's talk about what he had to say. Um, on the voucher front, that will be the social justice bill of the session. Um, if I have anything at all to say about it, it's dead on arrival. It's horrible for rural Texas. It's horrible for all Texans. The only people it's going to help are the kids that don't need the help. So you, they're not getting my support for that. I'm not, I'm not wavering on that. Okay, on the voucher front, Ken King says it's horrible for rural Texas, but it's really bad for everywhere because the only people that will get it are the people that don't need it.
Ken King believes that if you are a public school student whose parents love and care enough for you to take time to shop and find the best educational opportunity for you and then choose that one, if that's who your parents are, you don't need a better education than the thing you're going to get at the monopoly system of the public school, the current public school monopoly. If that is you, if you are that child, guess what? Whatever education you're getting is as good as you need it. And it'll only hurt everybody else if you leave. You don't need it. So if you're at a bad school that's not doing a good job and your parents take time and they go, I don't want you to get indoctrinated. I don't want you to be taught about 18 different intercourse positions by the time you're seven or whatever. I'm just trying to get somewhere else. Ooh, there's this better option and I'm going to go there. And 70% of the money that's currently going to educate you at this school is going to go to that school. And 30% of the money that's currently going to indoctrinate you is going to stay at that indoctrination factory. And according to Ken King, you don't need that. Absolutely not. If your parents care enough about you, then they'll kind of fix all this stuff when you get home and they'll spend enough time with you to make up for it all. Stay where you are. Same day, Ken King says this on the same day that Dustin Burroughs says what he says and Brooks Landgraf says what he says and then Ken King says what he says and they're all chairman of Dade Phelan. By the way, these are the Republican chairs. 40% of the committees are chaired by liberal Democrats and what they think is 10 times worse than what these guys think. So just compare that. Just take this and then go 10 times and like that's who's chairing 40% of the committees in the Texas House. So when we tell you how bad things are in that particular that particular legislative body, you have to understand it is really, really bad. And there are some conservatives and other Republicans who want Republican priorities, but they're going into this session and they are not ready to do what it's going to take to pass Republican priorities. They're still trying to play footsie with all these guys. Bad idea. If your state representative... You ask them about Ken King, Dustin Burroughs, Brooks Landgraf, Dade Phelan. And if they don't tell you these guys are problems of a broken system, they're not ready to fight. Absolutely not. I am so thankful for Thanksgiving for some conservatives in the Texas House who are ready to fight. I'm thankful for incoming freshmen who are ready to fight, even uh, according to Dady Phelan, before they're sw sworn in, in quotations. And uh, I guess he wants them to act like just normal voiceless citizens, right? Which is how they see you. The Speaker of the Texas House sees you if you're not there and sworn in and already like officially part of the club that he oversees, you don't count. Stop talking. Well, here's the bad news for Speaker Phelan. We're going to keep talking and we're not, I'm not sworn in. Most of you listening to this aren't sworn in and we're not going to be sworn in, but we're not going to be quiet and it's going to be a problem for them this session. And you know what I'm thankful for? A lot of Texans who are waking up and realizing there's a problem. So I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for, for people you will share this podcast with, who will listen. This is a session prepper. This is when you send this. This is why you would send this to someone in Texas. So if you know people who are in your circles who care about Texas politics, you're going to share this with them and say, hey, if you want to know the environment we're walking into in the Texas House, 
Let me share it with you. And then I'm going to also say that I've already told y'all that the Texas Senate is much better prepared to pass a lot of Republican priorities. It doesn't mean that there's no pressure that needs to be put on that chamber at all, but they are definitely looking at advancing these issues in a significant way. And so we're going to get a lot of that out. Abbott is going to maybe support half of it, not really support the other half. He might not oppose it. He might stay out. He's trying to prep for vice presidential possibilities. So that kind of helps conservatives in general because he's looking at giving us more than he normally gives us for his national profile's sake. And then Dade Phelan is working with the Democrats and his coalition of Republicans that help him work with the Democrats to thwart as much of this as possible. So you send this to somebody and say, hey, I want to make sure that you and I know the type of battle we're going into. Imagine going onto a battlefield with somebody, okay? And there's bullets flying from the right and the left, and there's a big army in front of you, and they're doing bad things, and you go, okay, here's the plan. We're going to send some of you off to the right. Some of us are going to go down the middle. And they go, well, I don't think those guys over there on the right are problems. You mean the ones shooting at us? Well, you got to understand, like, there's it's a different situation. There, but those guys are not as bad as the people in the middle. Let's just run down. Let's all run down the middle. Okay, so if we all charge the middle, what happens on our right flank? They all shoot us, and we're like dying on our way. And they're like, well, those people on the right, they're really— Look, those guys that are on our flank that happen to be shooting bullets at us, they're, they do—like, if if the people in the middle were out of here, the people on the right would definitely be on our team. Okay, well, that just makes them mercenaries. So the mercenaries are Dustin Burroughs and Brooks Landgraf and Ken King and all these people that work with all the really liberal Democrats. I don't know if this works because I'm trying to make sure you can see like or hear my example I'm giving you. But what I'm trying to explain, Ms. Luke, can they understand what I'm saying right now? Does this make sense to you? Okay, I'm asking our our producer here, Mr. Marshall, which you all never hear from. We don't do like the whole Rush Limbaugh stew thing where you like talk back and forth. But Mr. Marshall is sitting here. He's listening to me and he's saying I, he kind of understands what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to tell you is that when you go into a battle, you have to understand who all your enemies are and how bad the battlefield is. OK, so you're going to share this with other Texans saying, if you want to understand some of how bad the battlefield is in Texas. Like you should just listen to this because we'll know how we need to approach the battlefield in the Texas House of Representatives. That's what this episode's about. I hope you've learned something. I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. I hope you don't decorate too much for Christmas this week. I hope you wait till next week, but Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. And that is when we begin preparing our hearts for the coming of our Savior. And I hope you do that as well. God bless you. And God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless Texas. Music